And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Talk 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 podcast. I am host Harris Arena alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie. Dan, Monday evening, um, had, had to call an audible going out of town tomorrow again. Um, so called an audible Monday night show. Um, I'm shooting for Tuesday night next week. Had some plans change on me um, that are going to allow us to record Tuesday as long as Dan's okay with it. Dan, how are you doing Monday evening? Um, I'm good, man. Had to hurry up, get home. I had some things I had to take care of, get them wrapped up so that we could get going on this podcast. So, uh, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's bring the energy. Let's bring some juice. Dan, you called me today around, I think it was like two o'clock. You have an idea for a new segment. I was like, okay, let's do it. I like it. Um, so Dan, I'm going to get it over to you to introduce our new segment of the week. All right, so our new segment that we're going to try to do every single week, um, news permitting, of course, is a hot topic. It's, you know, a lot of times you're sitting around, um, you never know when inspiration is going to hit you. You're reading what people are saying, maybe you listen to the radio, but you'll you'll have a question that you would love to interact with. And that's what we're hoping with this segment is it, it stirs up conversation, it gets people thinking, it gets people talking, and it gets you guys engaged. So, with that being said, that is the premise of it. It's hot topic. And our first top topic for this week is with NIL allowing players to make as much money as possible, should the schools have the option to stop paying tuition? Now, this is something that you have heard in many shapes, forms. Uh, for God's sakes, my my stepfather, uh, he is so angry that these kids are making money. He's like, well, then the school shouldn't have to pay the tuition because the one thing, if you go all the way back to the beginning of time, everybody always called a college scholarship, what, Harrison? A free, free ride. ride. There's no such thing as a free ride. These kids are putting in 40-plus hours worth of work every single week between games, practices, weightlifting, training, all of that stuff. And the tuition, your tuition is paid for, your room and board is paid for, and then your meals are paid for. So if you take a school like the University of Georgia, whose tuition keeps going up and up and up, the, uh, the quality of healthcare that they get while they're on campus, the, the places that they stay, the food that they eat, if you add all that up, you're talking about a four-year degree, you're, well, you're getting close to around three four $400,000 worth of tuition, all of that stuff, right? So these schools are dishing that out for approximately, what, Harrison, 60-something players for football, for example. Now, you know, listen, sport to sport, these are not equal because – your football money is going to be a lot higher than your baseball money. But with the schools already doling that out, if, if NIL is in place, should they be allowed not to pay? And the reason I bring that up is because I think, first of all, there is no rule that says you have to give somebody a scholarship. There isn't one. It's just something that's been done. And if all of these games start going away, some of these smaller schools may not be able to afford it. They may just stop giving scholarships like D2, D3. Those schools do not give scholarships. They give, you know, you can go get your grants and stuff like that. But now they're saying, hey, with NIL, you don't need the tuition. You can make as much money as you want to, uh, just like a normal student who can go out whatever. So all I'm saying is it's a question. It came up. Harrison, how do you react to it? I, it would be a step backwards, in my opinion. I, I, I think, you know, NIL, introduction of NIL, whether – no matter the way they rolled it out, I have a lot of disagreements with the way they rolled it out, the way they're controlling it. No, it's a straight up no. Me and Dan won't disagree on this topic. We're very much in agreement. I think taking away kids' scholarships uh, is not something you want to do. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yes, these kids are making money, but you know, if you start taking away their scholarships, I don't think for one, I don't think it will happen. No. Uh, and two, I don't think it's going to be allowed past you know by the Supreme Court. 
you know, the, the Supreme Court ruled maybe a few years back that, hey, if you interrupt with these kids in the free market and their ability to make money in the free market, then, you know, you're going to get 9-0'd again. We're not going to allow that to happen. It, you know, it's their money. It's their market. You can't interrupt when, you know, you can't interrupt with that. So, for one, I don't think the NC is going to do it. It'd be very stupid on their part. Um, they get a lot of, a lot of bad publicity. Um, whether you think, you know, black publicity, you know, if there's any kind of bad publicity, you don't want that on your plate. Um, and I think it could drive away um, a lot of people from, I wouldn't say from the sport itself, but it would be a very, very bad look. Uh, maybe, maybe something that, that the two, you know, the power five or the power two, whatever you want to call the power structure in college football drives some people away. So that is a straight up no that, you know, you put me at a negotiating table. That's, that's a no go for me. I'm walking away from that deal. That's, that's stupid. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it happens, but at the same time, Supreme Court can't force anybody to issue uh, a scholarship. There's no rule. There's no law. There's nothing in place that says the school has to offer a scholarship. But listen, you're going to have the arrogant people who just hate these kids getting money, bring stuff up like that all the time. Again, we're not for it, but the, the question keeps coming up. The comment keeps coming up. So it's hot topic number one. Harrison, hot topic number two. Hit it. Second topic. Should the NCAA get rid of the one-time transfer rule? Why or why not? Dan, I'll let you open this one up since I asked the question. What do you think? Uh, no, they should not go away from a one-time transfer. The reason I say that is because you don't want to open up a wild, wild west. If you allow these kids to transfer without penalty as many times as they want to, you're going to have the AAU culture where you don't know who's playing for who, when they're playing for them, how they're playing for them. That, that just opens up. Uh, and Listen, we all are for player movement. If a kid goes to the school and realizes it's not the place for him, the coach that recruited him leaves, any one of those situations, mama gets sick, anything like that, they should be able to move schools without penalty one time. Because a coach, if you think about it, for the most part, coaches don't go to a different school every single year. And that's always been the argument. A coach can leave and he's not penalized. Agree. Well, partially because there's buyouts and stuff like that. So there are things that prohibit guys from moving as freely as everybody says. But at the same time, if a kid needs to leave a school, he should be able to leave, but not every single year. I agree the one time. And then, it, you know, if he burns the one time and then there's something significant that comes up, obviously you never say never. There should always be wiggle room for real circumstances. Like the Luke Ford thing up to Illinois pissed me off more than anything on earth because it was an honest transfer. Even every single Georgia fan on campus, and they were so angry that he wasn't allowed to play because we knew why he was going. His grandfather ultimately passed away without actually getting to see him play a football game because the dumb NCAA wouldn't allow him to play. So there should always be an exception to the rule. He should he should have benefited from the one-time transfer rule. Jacob Eason should have transferred from the uh, benefited from it. No. Absolutely not. Do not open it up to a Wild Wild West. And real quick to point out for people uh, that may not be aware, uh, like Jeremiah Stoddard points out in uh, the comments, what we're talking about when we say the one-time transfer, we're talking about the one you get to transfer one time and get immediate eligibility, no matter your reasoning. Whether you hate the coach, whether you're not playing enough, whether you're a walk-on and want a scholarship, you can transfer one time and not have to worry about sitting out a year. So that's what we're talking about. And, and with me, just like Dan said, there's going to be no disagreement here. You should not get rid of the one-time immediate eligibility transfer rule. It is stupid. It is promoting an NBA-style free agency. I don't want to see it. It is promoting more bidding wars. You're just giving 
more schools, more coaches, the ability to go to other people's rosters and say, hey, I'm going to pay you $60,000 a month to come to my school. You know, I, I don't want that happening. That That's where college football is. That's where it's heading. You get rid of the one-time transfer rule, you're opening all that up to be exploited even more. Something like this should not happen in the sport. This is not a professional sport. College football, any college sport, is considered an amateur sport. That doesn't take away their ability to make money. They are allowed to do it. But once you get to the point of where schools are paying kids to entice them to come to their school, that is where you get into a pro sport type level. So with that, that's going to end this one, uh, this segment um, for the week. Hot topic, guys. You want some suggestions on the hot topics? Make sure you hit us up. Hit us in the comments if you see a hot topic. Hit us up on Twitter. You can find at DanKiley3 on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Hit us up, and we'll go off your suggestions. This is the easiest way to be interactive, guys. Just throw us a question that like keeps coming up that you would love to have a, a, a conversation with your friends about. Absolutely. And with that, let's move on. We are 10 minutes into the show. We're already going off to a hot start. Um, and we're going to get on to something uh, that we may be a little hot about, um, as our friends Brooks Austin would say. Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. You want to go subscribe to the Patreon and get some film study. It's a one-time plug uh, for Brooks Austin, our friend. Um, right now, let's talk about Georgia's, you know, upswing in momentum. It's, it's just the title of this podcast. It's, you know, what everyone's kind of talking about at the moment. How Georgia's gaining a lot of momentum on the recruiting drill. Because, you know, Dan... Two times, two weeks ago, this time two weeks ago, I think a lot of people were scared. A lot of people were concerned. You know, Justice Haynes, a legacy recruit for Georgia, son of the former Georgia running back Veron Haynes, committed to Alabama. Georgia's SEC foe, their national championship opponent, just this past January, decided not to go to the school of his dad and instead went to probably the biggest contender in all of college football for Georgia. You know, this was a legacy recruit. He grew up in the red and black one of the and this is not a case where he's just benefiting off of his last name no this kid is as talented as they come he is the number three ranked back uh number three ranked running back according to 247 sports composite rankings he is as talented as as can be i think he's rushed for over a thousand yards each year of his high school career i think one time he's even rushed for over two thousand yards i don't have those numbers in front of me um you know and, and everyone's freaking out dan everyone you know there's some that even said hey you know, is Georgia is Georgia's coaching staff losing their touch? You know, Josh Pate went on his program, the Late Kick Podcast. Shout out to Josh Pate and asked, and even well, then asked. He said that he believed that this was one of you know probably the weakest staff that Kirby Smart's had because they didn't have a, a Sam Pittman or they don't have a Matt Luke or they don't have a Dan Lanning. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if many do, um, but I get what he's getting at. He's not saying it's a bad staff. But he's comparing the star power on that staff to past staff, and he says it looks weaker. So, you know, that's that's his opinion. I think we're, we we'll probably have some differing opinions on that. But, Dan, first off, we didn't touch on Justice Haynes a lot last week um, as the news cycle kind of moved on from it. But now there's a break in the news cycle. SEC Media is behind us. George has gotten three recruits since then. I want to get your take on Justice Haynes and where your head was at fast, you know, rewinding back two weeks ago. All right, so first of all, I think Justice Haynes not committing to the University of Georgia pretty much caught everybody off guard. I think everybody, when they heard the news, they were a little bit shocked. But if you look at the player, the situation, all of that, you know, in totality, oh, okay. I mean, they're in on um, Richard Young, who's the number one or two running back – or number two running back in the country who's a better running back than Justice Hayes. So if they get him, what does it matter? And, you know, this is one of the things that I 
I always get frustrated with in recruiting is, you know, people act like Georgia never loses a recruiting battle. That's not true. We lose from time to time. I mean, what's the uh, defensive end that's at South Carolina? Everybody thought he was a sure bet to come down here and he, uh, Birch or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, he's up there and he's doing just fine, whatever. I mean, we, it happens, man. These are 18, 17, 18, 19 year old kids. They, you have no idea what's important to them. Why they, I mean, listen, if the kid honestly wants to go to Alabama because he wants to carve his own path is what he says. And he feels like he can get developed there. You know, God bless him. Let him go. Uh, I mean, Georgia is sitting good with some other running backs. We've got a, a loaded running back room. It's not like we're desperate for running backs. And there's other positions that are uh, at a higher premium for me, for instance. Um, and also keep in mind, these kids are going to be signing in December. It is July. Okay. A lot can happen between now and then. I mean, like all, all of these guys that have committed, they haven't signed anything. They aren't in school. They aren't on the football field. Okay. A lot of things can happen between now and then. And a lot of times, you know, I think I, if I'm not mistaken, and, and somebody will definitely correct me if I'm wrong, I, I do believe that Alabama was the last school he visited. So, you know, he commits and, and you, I mean, granted, it's not the same day, so it's not a recruiting high, but what is, where is his most recent visit, you know, experience, whatever, Alabama. So he's living on that. You know, as time sets in, you know, and as time sets in, he may change his mind. And then there's another angle to this also. He's the number four ranked running back based on everything he's done at Blessed Trinity where he played on a team that had better talent than every single team they played every single week. Now he's getting ready at the single A level, by the way, or double A level. Uh, he's getting ready to go play for Buford, who is moving up in classifications to 7A, and they are going to have a real game every single week. I mean, if you look at those Buford kids, and I'm not disrespecting Buford because Buford's hella loaded, but those kids have never had to play a whole football game. When Buford played everybody, they were up 50 to nothing at halftime. So they haven't had to play a full football game. You're about to learn a lot about Justice Hayes is what I'm saying. So don't go losing your shit just yet. And I also want to point out, because Jeremiah makes a great point, you know, Justice Hayes, a big part of his recruitment was that he wanted to play baseball, similar to quarterback Dylan Lonergan. Both wanted to play baseball. Both ended up at Alabama. Good point there by Jeremiah. You know, and there's only been rumors. I can't confirm anything. I'm not an insider. Dan's not an insider. We're just here to sit down and sit in front of you on your screens and talk some football because that's what we love to do. You know, we don't make money off this. We enjoy doing it because it's our passion. Um, and that's why I hit Dan up because, Dan, I mean, that the personality Dan showed last week – an organic reaction. If you haven't checked it out, go watch Dan's reaction when we brought on um, really good friends of the show as a surprise to Dan. But getting back to Justice Haynes, I think Dan hit it right in the nail on the head. We're going to learn a lot about Justice Haynes um, this year, you know, going up in classification to Buford, going up to new competition. Um, it's going to be real fun to watch, but there's no doubting, no spinning um, or writing off uh, what Justice Haynes brings to the table. I, I really liked him as a prospect, heard a lot of, you know, great things about him from all the really trusted sources in the recruiting space. And, you know, it, it is a miss. And I think our friends Brooks Austin, you know, made a good point. It, you know, Brooks called it one of the biggest misses in Kirby Smart's history, if not the biggest. Um, and I can't think of one bigger when you consider the fact that, you know, for a long time there, everyone was pretty confident that George would land him. And that kind of added the shock value of all of this. But moving on, um, y'all have heard 
all you could hear about Justice Haynes, I'm sure, over the last two weeks. Moving on, let's talk about the new recruits. Let's talk about the new commits. Georgia's up to 16 total commits in their 2023 class, which sits third in the 247 Sports 2023 recruiting class rankings. Dan, let's start it off with Jamal Jarrett, four-star defensive tackle out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Six foot six, 340 pounds. I mean, talk about a massive human being. He's 17, or now he's 18 years old. He was 17 years old, and he's 6'6", 340 pounds. Uh, yeah, that'll play. That'll play everywhere. I mean, that we Brooks has talked about this, and we've seen a lot of different people talk about this now, is Georgia's recruiting a different type of player. They realized with a guy like Jordan Davis how unique something that is when they have somebody who's that massive. Uh, he just turned 17. Had a boy. Appreciate you, Robert. Um, yeah, that's a big old boy, and he's young and he's you know athletic as far as we know. Um, I'm excited to see him on campus. I mean, because you're talking about another version of Jordan Davis, and if they can get the same level of production, that's exactly what they want. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for that massive human being, and that is a great listen. When Georgia has done something the last couple of years, and I'm just gonna say this real quick before we go on and cover all these guys, is Georgia has done a really good job of minimizing the damage in in restarting up that momentum. They don't – they may – like, I'm wearing my shirt today. No L's, right? <laughs> Georgia may take an L, but they're not going to let it be an L. They're going to go find somebody else to keep that momentum going. It's almost like Kirby calls somebody up and says, hey, listen, I need you to commit right now. We got to get this momentum going. Like, hey, listen, I need you right now. And they don't take – a lot of L's and that's why I'm wearing my no L's shirt today is because Kirby has done a great job. Well, not just Kirby, the entire staff has done a great job of limiting the blows. Whenever something doesn't go their way, bam, immediately. And uh, you know, it's been all over the place where they're like, Hey, listen, as soon as somebody doesn't commit to Georgia, watch Georgia, go ahead and pop. Something's going to pop in the next day. So like Robert says, he was a, he was a silent and like, Georgia, and I'm not saying that he did or he didn't. Robert, if you can help us out, that'd be great. But it's almost like Georgia called and said, we need you right now, and he popped it. And, you know, they broke that negative momentum for positive momentum. So, anyway, we'll go, we're moving on to um, Kelton Smith, another offensive lineman. If you read the article that was posted with him, and his, you know, he talked about – uh, he likes the way that they developed the offensive line. He likes the cohesion. He likes the connection. That's Kirby's big word is connection. And he really buys into that connection. And the amount of guys that Georgia is starting to put into the NFL, the offensive line position, he is um, maybe not the most highly rated uh, tackle in the class, but I think he is going to be a really high-level prospect for them. Uh, he's an in, what, Is he interior line or tackle? Interior offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, he's an interior. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Interior offensive lineman. Um, but, you know, I, I like his versatility. I think he's a guy who can play really, really well here. And, again, another guy to keep that streak going. Absolutely. And then the biggest one, I think everyone may agree, some may even disagree. I really love the addition of Jamal Jarrett. Robert, the DGG podcast, our friends over there, go check him out. Does a really great job. Had a really good interview um, with a Florida media member, believe it or not. I know Robert does not like the Gators, um, just like any other Georgia fan. Had a really great interview. Go check him out at the DGD podcast. Go find him anywhere. But, you know, Janelle Agoro, you know, 
Dan, after losing out on a high-rated safety like Kamari Wilson last cycle, you know, on signing day, lost him to rivals Florida, like, you know, we were just talking about, you know, it, it feels good for Georgia fans to finally land one of those top prospects. I know a lot of people wanted Caleb Downs, and that recruitment's not over, by the way. A lot of people want Caleb Downs. A lot of people want Caleb Downs and Jonel Aguero. Could you, th- I mean, it, it's fun to imagine what Georgia would look like with two elite safeties roaming over the top. Add in Malachi Starks. You have three elite safeties in one room. It would be a steal. I would say it is a coup if you could grab all three, have all three guys in one DB room. So, you know, Georgia gets one of their guys. They get Janelle Aguero, commits to Georgia after a late push from Miami. You know, Mario Crisball is as good as a recruiter as they come, was a Saban disciple, worked under, you know, Nick Saban, Alabama, worked with Coach Smart um, when both, you know, together at Alabama, brought over Jamel Adai, the former defensive back coach at Georgia, um, who's now filling the same role over there, uh, and really made, you know, really gave Georgia a run for their money. Uh, not a lot of people knew where this recruitment was at, you know, prior to Miami getting into it. Everyone felt like he was a Georgia lean. Then you get down to the end, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're confident, but you never know. Because in this day and age, you know, one flip of a switch and it could go the other way. Well, uh, I mean, you're right. It, it was absolutely critical to get Jonel Aguayo because you're not getting Caleb Downs. I'm sorry. Uh, and Robert posted that in here and he's right. You're not. Um, and the other thing is all these people that tell you they're talking to Caleb Downs are not, they're lying. They're not talking to Caleb Downs. I can promise you they're not. Okay. And they can tell you, uh, listen, read whatever you want to believe whatever you want to. But if people tell you they're talking to Caleb Downs, they're lying. They're not. Um, they may be talking to him, but he's not talking to them. He's not giving them information. So, you know whatever, but you're not getting Caleb and that sucks because I been watching the kid since he was eight years old, nine years old. And I wanted him to be here selfishly so that I could watch him, you know, and root for him on my favorite team, but that's just not going to happen. So that's gone. So that, with that being said, that's why it was so critical to get that guy because he's an elite safety, but you mentioned a name, Malachi Starks. You know, uh, when you recruit at that level and you have a guy who's going to lock down that job for three or four years, that's going to limit what you can do at that position. They don't rotate four safeties. Richard LeCount, he never came off the field. You know, the, the free safety position is like is a, it's almost like the quarterback where one guy's playing. So it's going to be very difficult to load up at that position. Uh, but, you know, it, George, again, and, and Robert answered in, in our comments. Thank you so much for doing that. No, it wasn't a case. Um, it was just it was just perfect timing with his birthday lined up. They didn't do that. But again, momentum, you know, building momentum. And, and as we posted just a second ago, Kirby says he doesn't do momentum recruiting, but he absolutely does. And I agree with that, too. So um, that being said, Georgia's done a good job of limiting the damage of the L's. They, they have a tendency to get what they need. Um, it may not be the player that everybody wants, but they get what they need and they're not scratching the bottom of the barrel. Like Georgia's not bringing scrubs into these classes. So, you know, some of these other schools like, Hey, we missed on our quarterback. We're going to go get this guy who has zero stars. And, you know, he barely starts for his high school team, but we got a quarterback. Georgia doesn't do that. Okay. They're getting the elite of the elite. Absolutely. Um, just real quick before we do move on to Dan's rant of the week, um, just just wanted to put it out there. You know, there are still some questions in this recruiting class, um, but it is not 
uh, you know, no need for concern. Georgia still has some holes to fit uh, to fill on the offense, especially on the offensive side. You need some help at the playmaking positions, receiver, running back. You got to fill some spots. I think ideally you probably want to take two running backs in case Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh both declare for the draft at the end of this year. You know, on defense, you got to get some defense alignment. I mean, you got Jamal Jarrett now. Um, you got to fill in the rest of that front seven. You already got your three linebackers. Just got to fill up front. I think they're probably going to take a few more DBs. Um, so with that, I'm going to kick it over for Dan for Dan's rant of the week. Okay, so this is a topical rant, and it is something that everybody needs to pay attention to. We are getting to the point where a lot of these kids for the 2023 class are announcing their decisions. A lot of these guys like to do this before the high school season starts so that they don't have to worry about it. They can just focus on their high school team, give them all the attention they deserve, and go on about their business, okay? Now, of course, there will be guys who commit the last second. I get it. Do me a favor. You know what? Don't do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't go online and start tweeting at these kids and, and commenting, you know, like all this vitriol about, you know, they didn't pick your school. That's ridiculous. First of all, these are 17-, 18-year-old kids, as we mentioned, at, at nauseum. They are trying to make the best decision for them. Do you understand – the magnitude of the decision they're making. I mean, when you were 17, 18 years old, sometimes the biggest decision you made was, um, am I going to eat at Wendy's or McDonald's tonight? I mean, these kids are trying to make lifelong lifelong decisions, that, you know, a decision that's going to shape their entire life. And they're trying to do it to the best of their ability. What is the best situation for them? You know, there are plenty of the kids who grew up rooting for a team they will ultimately not pick that team that they they love in their heart because they understand that that's not the best situation for them. So why would you go and just absolutely badmouth and disparage these kids because they didn't pick your school? That is absolutely ridiculous, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Go look at some of these people online, and I understand that some of these people are super tough behind the keyboard, but it is absolutely astonishing at the stuff that comes out of adults' mouths, specifically aimed at children. And yes, they are children, and they're somebody else's children. If you spoke about my child that way, I would absolutely come for your throat. And I don't blame Kendall Milton's father for the way he acts about some of these kids. Now, do, does he need to go with everybody? No, he doesn't need to go with everybody, but I don't blame him because I would do the same damn thing if you were talking about my kid. All right? So do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Do the world a favor. Do not go online and badmouth these kids because they didn't pick your school. It sucks that you don't get them. I get it. I understand that. Like I've told you numerous times, there are kids that I have covered that I would love to go to the school that I love passionately. But I also am smart enough to understand that there are layers to the decisions they are making. And support them. And respect their decisions. And if you really want to root for them, then root for them. But, you know, you can support them every single day except for the day that they play Georgia or whoever the case may be. But just for God's sakes, grow up. With that, I, I have nothing else to add. Uh, add. Dan hit the nail on the head. So with that, let's move on to our main event topic. We are 28 minutes in. Man, the show is flying by. Um, and with that, Dan – you know, let's talk about someone who has gotten some unjust criticism, I think, for the most part, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett. And the reason we're doing this segment is I know, you know, everyone talks about Stetson Bennett, and rightfully so. He is the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia. Why would we not talk about him? 
But it's the way that people are talking about him, the way people are criticizing him, kind of with blindfolds on because, you know, they, they, they cover their eyes and, and, and close their ears and say, you know, oh, I'm not wrong. You know, JT Daniels should have been the starting quarterback, you know, because reason A, reason B, all you got all your reasons. But, you know, when the facts are pointed out to them, they don't ever agree. They just move on to the next agenda point and say, oh, well, he did this wrong. You know, I, I, there, there was a Twitter thread today that, you know, this guy was talking about all the things that Sesson Bennett did wrong in the national championship. So I got out the film. I put in replies, you know, the plays he was talking about. And, you know, one of them he agreed with. He, he liked the tweet and then never never replied to it. Next thing you know, he's going to someone else and he's saying the same thing again. And I'm just like, you know, well, so, some people don't want to agree because they just have an agenda. And, and that's just the way it is. There's some people out there that are going to say some stuff because they're just trolling you. They want to get the reaction. So, you know, I've learned as a content creator, as, as someone um, who, who's on Twitter, sometimes you just got to know when, you know, when to say something, when to put up and when to shut up. So that, that's the way it's just going to go. But going back to the segment, you know, Reese Davis, ESPN's Reese Davis went on ESPN's morning debate show first take, as we all know and love. Because, I mean, there is no better personality in sports talk show history than Stephen A. Smith, in my opinion. Dan, you may disagree with me on that. But anyways, getting back to it, they're talking about Kirby Smart's new contract, the 10-year contract worth $112 million. Kirby, if you're listening, let me hold a dollar, um, as Jeremiah said last week. And Reese Davis pointed out, you know, that they gave, Georgia gave Smart that contract knowing that they are not going to wait until 2062 for another national title. Good gosh, I hope I'm alive by 2062, uh, 2062. Um, and, and Davis talked about Bennett afterwards, saying Sesson Bennett is just a baller. He's a playmaker. He's a winner. Adding on later, I don't make them a favorite, which is Georgia, but their schedule was very favorable to get to the, is very favorable to get to the SEC championship against Alabama. As much as they lost on defense, their best defensive lineman, Jalen Carter, is back. Where he goes on, um, giving some context, where he goes on to say, Sesson Bennett is a baller, he's a playmaker. I agree. Now, I'm not going to sit here, Dan won't sit here, and stand for a player blindly. We will not support, you know, we, we're not going to come here and say, you know, he is infallible, he is perfect, never makes a wrong decision. We will tell you when we disagree with some things to do. We will tell you when we agree with some things to do. But we're not here to, you know, to just down players, as Dan just said. Don't tweet at the players. Don't tweet at recruits personally. That's that's messed up. Um, but, Dan, I want to get your take because it is it is interesting to hear some of the outsiders' thoughts on Seth and Bennett because we've, we've done a show where there was a whole article talking, basically just trashing the kid. We have covered this at nauseum, and we had a segment a while back, and you tweeted out a response where I said he is the five foot seven lightning rod. Well, he's closer to six foot, but still, you know, he is the lightning rod that everybody either loves him or hates him, and there's no in between. There, and, and you know, here's the thing: you know, Jeremiah says Dan hates Stetson. That's what he says. That's not true. Dan doesn't hate Stetson. Dan roots his ass off for Stetson. You know, do I think that, you know, there are some things he's got limits and do I think maybe there's potentially a guy who's more talented than he is? Sure, maybe. But when he's on the field, when Stetson is on the field, I am rooting for him wholeheartedly. And, you know, for Reese Davis to say he's just a ball player and he just makes plays, there's something very real about that. There are guys and you know, this, this isn't specific to Stetson. Any single Every single person listening to this that actually played sports knows that there's at least one guy on your team that he doesn't look the part, but by God, come game day, that guy's just ready to play. 
And, you know, like if it's basketball, he's the guy who's diving on the floor, getting loose balls. He comes up with the critical steal at the right time. But if you were to draw him on paper, the guy, the mo- the best prototypical player, would that guy be it? Absolutely not. You know, you got in baseball all the time, you got these guys that are just scrappers. Like they'll get on base. They'll get the extra base hit. They'll track down the ball in the gap, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, in football, you got guys who – they're not the biggest, fastest, strongest, or anything like that, but by God, they have the heart. Look at Rudy, right? You know, the his the Notre Dame character Rudy. Yeah, not the biggest, fastest, strongest, but by God, he had heart and he showed up, you know, on that one day or whatever. Well, Stetson's like that. If you draw it on paper, he's not the guy you want. But come game day, he gets the job done. And he's not perfect. He's flawed. He is a flawed hero, right? But he is a hero. A flawed, but hero so you know there's there is a very real thing to what reset the schedule lines up you know it you're basically for all intents and purposes have a one game schedule and it's the sec championship game and it's hard to bet against that you just can't i mean i mean do it if you want to and we've seen him have really bad games and but we've seen the entire team have really bad games. So you can't just I, – I mean, I don't think maybe in all the games he's played, can you hang a single loss on him specifically just him? I don't know that you can do that. You know, I. it's just one of the things that's never going to stop, Harrison. It's just never going to stop. But Reese Davis is right. He's a ball player. Absolutely. I mean, you know, going back and watching the National Championship game, because, you know, at first glance, when I watched it originally – and it was, it was the overarching take, you know. Georgia's offense was dog water in the first half, as, as the kids say. Um, it was dog water. They, and it's not because of Stetson. It's not because of one player. It's, it's as a unit. The offensive line did not play well. They shot themselves in the foot. They had multiple false starts, multiple penalties. They started their drives all the way backed up. There's multiple times they started within their own 25-yard line. You can't be a successful offense starting inside your own 25. And as Jeremiah points out, Paper doesn't play the game. You don't play the you don't play the game on paper. This isn't EA Sports Madden, all right, where ratings are supreme. You know, so games played on grass. It's basketball on grass. Uh, not really, but you know, Stetson Stetson had a pretty dang good game in the national championship. I I went back and I watched it. And I was like, you know, some of the plays he made, they're really good. And then there's other plays where you're like, ooh, I wish he didn't take that sack, or ooh, I wish he didn't throw that pass, ooh. I wish you threw it this way, you know, but that's normal. That is normal. You talk about there's, there's people on social media. He took five sacks. Oh my God. He took five sacks. Does Georgia have another option? That's not going to take five sacks. Most of those plays. And this is what people don't understand, Dan. And we're trying, you know, I, I don't know why I, I know it takes a little bit to learn, but the other team's going to make better plays. The other team's going to call better plays. Well, they're allowed to. You know, they recruit five-star kids just like you do. They coach their ass off Monday through Thursday or Friday or whatever the case may be, just like you do. Their kids have elite talent just like yours do. You're not going to go in there and just just win every single game hands down. It's like it's the most ridiculous thing in the world that these teams get so angry when another team puts up a good fight or whatever. It's like, dude, like Alabama is every bit as good as you are in every single category. So – of course, these games are going to come down to a play here, a play there. It's going to happen. But 
you know, when you have a guy who everybody buys into, who can walk into a huddle and have every single eye on him and every single guy believe, why wouldn't you want that guy in the huddle? Absolutely. And, and what, you know, what's really awesome about it is uh, Jeremiah makes a great point. People try to put the SEC championship game on Lawson Stetson, but he didn't allow 24 points. The pick six, that's on Stetson. You know, that plays on Stetson. Um, some other plays are going to be on Stetson, but you know, the defense, Georgia didn't play how they usually played. That was not their identity. Go watch Brooks Austin breaks it down perfectly what Georgia's defensive identity is. Georgia tried to adapt and change, you know, to a style that's not them. They, they, they were trying to do what they thought was best to beat Alabama, and it didn't work. Then they went back to being them, and they won the game the next time around. Sets had a much better game. Um, Rude, good to see you in the comments. You did miss the rant. Um, Dan had a perfect rant if you want to go back and listen to it after the show. Also, a new segment opened up the show. As Kim Smith says, don't forget to like the video. And as Dan says, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to leave a five-star review. I don't like asking for five-star reviews because you're not our minions. Leave the review you want. Leave us constructive criticism. Tell Dan you love his hair and you don't want him to get cut. You don't want him to cut his hair. Tell Dan you love his hat. I don't care. Just leave us whatever review you want. Um, so with that being said, Dan, I'm going to kick it over to you one last time. Do you have anything to add before we close out the show? No, I think uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything. But do us a favor, like you said, like, subscribe, share, um, tell us to your, you know, tell us, talk to us about your friends. I don't know. Just please help this podcast grow, and we, we really enjoy doing this. We hope that you guys like it, and we we welcome your feedback. And if you have a segment that you want us to throw in here, if you have a topic you want us to cover, if you have a hot topic that you would love to have us start the conversation with, um, let's hear it. Bring back the trash pan. I can do that. <laughs> yes. Bring back the mustache, Dan. I need you to get these people off my back about a mustache. You got to bring it back. Uh, obviously, if your wife doesn't want it, then I, I, I guess she has final say. But anyways, that's going to wrap it up for episode 51 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Go follow Dan at Dan Kylie 3 Go interact with him. Hit up his DM. Please, God. I need <laughs> Blow followers. up his phone. Blow up his phone. Um, Go follow me at at Harrison Reno. Guys, if you want us to bring on Jeremiah Stoddard, Jonathan Williams again, let me know. We can surprise Dan again. Heck, if you want to surprise Dan, bring on, we can bring on Rouge. We can bring on Robert from the DGD podcast. Um, we can have a heck of an interactive show. Just bring on random guests, have a hotline. Uh, you know, whatever you want. We're here for the people. So, guys, that's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next week uh, here on the Top Dog Talk podcast.